Today's reading is taken from Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6 and 10 to 17. Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6 and 10 to 17. Then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. And they ate bread with him in his house. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, the second Kesia, and the third in all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived for 140 years, and so his children and his children's children, four generations, and Job died old and full of days. This is the word of the Lord. Please, would you stand for the gospel reading which Rosemary is going to bring to us. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. The reading is taken from Mark chapter 10, 46 to 52. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the Gospel of the Lord. So loving God as ever... Please open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts this morning. Amen. 
Please do be seated. Is there anything more problematic than the story of Job's encounter with God for us? Last week, we heard the famous speech of God out of the whirlwind, where we rest in the comfort that we do not need to know the answers, that there are, in fact, no neat answers to the kind of suffering that Job suffered, that God is God, and we are God's. We belong to God, but we are not God, and we do not know. That in the place of suffering, we are in the hand of God. And after all, where else would we rather be? Would we rather suppose that God is not over all things, above all things, in and through all things, the source of all and the ground of our being. In the worldview of the people of God in the ancient Near East, where this story comes from, there was no other option. All things come from God, the good and the bad. We struggle a bit with that idea today, perhaps, Because our worldview includes the images and the ideas of equal and opposite good and evil, battling it out for the souls of the world. If you're a fan of Terry Pratchett, you uh, might have read or watched Good Omens to see where that kind of worldview is situated with Crowley and Aziraphale, the demon and the angel, trying to figure out how to each do their respective jobs of bringing chaos and calm to the world, having equal and opposite effects on the people whose lives they are supposed to be influencing, so in fact having no influence at all, cancelling each other out whilst living their own lives and in the end, becoming friends. A funny and insightful view, in fact, as to what it means to be human. But it was never a biblical view of good and evil. In the Bible, there is evil, but it is an aberration in the world the world which has been created by God. And even the greatest evil of death is used by God as a gateway through which abundant life is attained. O death, where is your sting? God is God and everything else is not. For Job and his friends and all those watching his suffering... Job is in God's hands. What is befalling him is within what God is allowing to happen. So at the beginning of the story of Job, some of you may be familiar, others may not, we have a discourse between the Lord 
and the Satan, in which God allows Satan to bring the suffering which Job experiences. And if you don't know, this is what it is. One day, the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a fence around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, all that he has is in your power. Only do not stretch out your hand against him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And we know that Job has all kinds of things befall him. The Satan decides to stretch out his hand against him. Terrible things. His children are killed and all his wealth is stripped from him. His health is taken and he sits in the dust and scrapes his sores. His friends come to him and tell him that obviously he's done some terrible thing and so God is against him. And this is why these things have happened. His wife tells him to curse God and die. But here we are. At the end of this story, Job has seen the light. He sees that he has uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And he says, I had heard of you, but now my eye sees you. He then goes on to pray for his friends who had so badly treated him who thought he had some secret sin for which God was punishing him. And then it says from verse 10, which we heard, that the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. Well, that's all right then. Is there anything more problematic than the story of Job's encounter with God? us? Are we simply playthings for the heavenly beings? No. When we read it through those lenses, we're bringing in our worldview, the worldview of Terry Pratchett. Fun for the stories, but not so much for the picture, the narrative that we have in the Bible. This old and ancient story of Job is not trying to paint a picture of what the heavenly court is really like. 
These discourses are bit parts in the story. They are the setup. But even in the setup, we are to note that the Satan, the accuser, the adversary, is not God's counterpart, but is God's creature, is under God's authority. So even in this imaginative tapestry woven to introduce Job's story, the writer is clear about who God is and that all things are in God's hands. But this imaginative introduction is not the point of the story. The point of the story of Job is to try to help us navigate the idea that we often still mistakenly have that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Or that if we are just good enough, then God's favor will be with us. Or that if we lose our health or our family or our friends or our wealth or our job or, 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 that whatever difficult or tragic circumstance befalls us, that this means that God does not love us or is not with us or that we are bad. Job is the oldest story in the Bible and yet it speaks to us of modern things. We still mostly talk about being blessed when good things happen to us. We still often think that God's favor is on those who have all the good things. And importantly, not so much on those who don't receive good things. And you might think that the ending of Job, the restoration of his life, of his wealth, of his family and friends, returns us to the idea that God blesses those and is blessing Job because of his goodness. But there is an interesting twist in the restoration of Job. And it shows that Job has learnt this important lesson. That the generosity of God will not be confined to those who fit the picture, the idea that we have of who God should favor. That God's generosity will go far and wide and will be bestowed on whomever God chooses. Whether that fits the idea we have about who God favors or not. And that just because you find yourself in trying circumstances or are born in a place which means there is less opportunity for you, does not mean that God does not favor you. And that perhaps it is the human beings around us which shape what God's favor looks like and on whom it is bestowed. The generosity and favor of God may find our hands and feet. Our money and time are the vehicles of that favor and generosity that we have a responsibility to bring God's blessing. What might Job's suffering have looked like 
had his friends and his wife brought kindness instead of cursing. And we know that Job learnt this lesson. How? Because of his daughters. It says, He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, the second Kezia, and the third Karen Hapuk. In all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. Shockingly, surprisingly, we hear the names of these women, and they are given an inheritance. Job learned that the favor of God will go where it will, and that he had the power to be the bestower of that favor. In a land where the norm is that the women are not named and do not inherit, Job suddenly finds a different path. Something changed from his story at the beginning to now. The latter days of Job's life are blessed, not by the sheep and the camels and all those things that he has been given. They are blessings. But his real blessing is the blessing he has from the knowledge of God that he learns within that whirlwind. That God is more generous, more good, more, more, more than Job ever could have imagined. So our question today is what will we do with the generosity of God? The generosity of God which is present whether our circumstances look good or otherwise. How will we be the hands and feet of God's favor in our worlds, the communities which we inhabit? And our comfort today is that no matter what, we are in the hands of God, in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And of course, there's no place we'd rather be. Amen.